Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Angeles tells the story of how Mama's love and prayers changed his life. During the height of the Depression, Hill's real mother, who had five children of her own, didn't have enough food to go around, so she sent four-year-old Ed to live with a friend in a small country town called Sweet Home. Ed just called her Mama. As he was growing up in Sweet Home, Mama displayed remarkable faith, which led her to have big plans for young Ed. Against nearly insurmountable obstacles, Mama helped Ed graduate from high school, the only student to graduate that year from the country school, and even insisted that he go to college. She took Ed to the bus station, handed him the ticket and $5, and said, Now go off to Prairie View College, and Mama's going to be praying for you. Hill claims that he didn't know much about prayer, but he knew Mama did. When he arrived at the college with a dollar and 90 cents in his pocket, they told him he needed $80 in cash in order to register. Here's how Hill described what happened next. I got in line. The devil said to get out of line. But I heard Mama saying in my ear, I'll be praying for you. I stood in line on Mama's prayer. Soon there was another new student ahead of me, and I began to get nervous. But I stayed in line. Just about the time the other student got all her stuff and turned away, Dr. Drew touched me on the shoulder and said, Are you Ed Hill? I said, Yes. He said, Are you Ed Hill from Sweet Home? I said, Yes. He said, Have you paid yet? I said, Not quite. He said, We've been looking for you all this morning. I said, Well, what do you want with me? He said, well, we have a four-year scholarship that will pay your room and board, your tuition, and give you $30 a month to spend. And I had said, I heard Mama say, I'll be praying for you. We see reasons to rejoice, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in that story. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 contain three short faith-based commands. They each require seeing the unseen and trusting the Lord. These are things that God wants us to do because He is deeply involved in each of our lives. And we are taught to do these things always because they are continually appropriate and needed because God is always there and God is always working. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 just says, Rejoice evermore. Two words, unambiguous, clear, not in need of much interpretation, but deep in meaning and opening for us a wide range of responsibility. A little bit of trivia here for you is that though Jesus wept is the shortest verse in English, Rejoice Evermore is actually the shortest verse in your Bible based on the original Greek. And in the original Greek, the word for rejoice here is a command. It is a command to rejoice evermore. No qualifiers. No exceptions, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
This is not optional for believers. This is an, an imperative, not an option. Also, in the Greek, the order is reversed. In the literal translation would be evermore rejoice or at all times rejoicing. The word order in the Greek is the way emphasis is made. So the emphasis is not primarily on rejoicing. The emphasis is primarily on doing it all the time. And what that teaches us is that the command to rejoice is not dependent upon positive circumstances because things are not always positive in life. But God's word is clear that joy in rejoicing is to be a way of life for the believer. Now, sometimes joy seems elusive. We might experience brief encounters with joy, but they seem to be the exception rather than the rule. So how can we be always joyful? Well, the first thing we got to do is differentiate between happiness and God's joy. Happiness is based only on positive circumstances. You can see the word happenings in the word happiness, and it's related to that word happenings. It's about being happy when the things happening in our life are good and pleasant. So happiness is often based on earthly pleasures. You follow the impulses of your heart, and if you get what your heart wants, you're happy. You see something, you want it, you go shopping, you get it, you buy it. You find that there's a certain euphoria in that experience of getting what you wanted. There's a thrill of a moment, a temporary happiness that quickly fades away. Living in pursuit of just happiness in life deceives because it never really satisfies. Worldly happiness is momentary. It dissipates very fast. And this is why people move from material thing to material thing to material thing and on and on. And it's also why people sometimes move from person to person to person in relationships because they're searching for happiness and they want that thrill and temporary happiness it gives them. But that happiness can never be ultimately fulfilled. Sadly, many live their life controlled by temporary joy and happiness and by the expectations of people in the world around them who do the same thing. Steve Brown writes, The most unhappy person in the world is not someone who didn't get what he or she wanted. The most unhappy person is the one who got what he or she wanted and then found out that it wasn't as wonderful as they expected. He writes, The secret of joy in life is not to get what you want, but to live content with what you've got. Most of us spend our lives concentrating on what we don't have instead of thanking God for what we do have. And then we wake up and life is over and we miss the beauty and joys of the present. And we should. We should rejoice and thank God for what we have now, for the stage in life that we are now, for the ages our children and grandchildren are now, for the home we have now, for the blessings of life that we have now, so we don't miss the joys and beauties of now. Living conscious of our treasures from God's hand now, we find joy. There is a joy in life that only God can give, which brings true meaning and satisfaction. 
the joy we're talking about, however, is not natural joy. It's, it's supernatural joy. Something that comes from God, not from our humanness. It is not a humanly produced emotion. It is a joy that is spiritually produced by the Holy Spirit as we grow in Christ and trust God's Word. It's a joy that cannot be touched and that cannot be moved because it's below the surface. It's unaffected by the chaos and winds and waves of experience on a human level. The believer's joy is not a wild emotion on top of a giddy feeling. It's a fruit on top of truth. It's a response to what I know to be true from God and His Word. As we live by faith, we focus by faith on our relationship with the Lord, we can rejoice evermore. But it's also not automatic. Because as a fruit takes time to grow, joy, it takes time to grow in our life. We find it over time with work, discipline, and obedience, and growth in the Word of God. Psalm 5.11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Joy can be the constant of experience of the believer as we are joyful in God. God is the source of our joy. God is the subject of true joy. It is our understanding of God, His character and nature that anchors our joy. It's knowing that God is faithful, that God is loving, and that God is good all the time. Obeying the command to rejoice evermore begins with a deep-down confidence and trust that God is in control, that God is working, and that God is working everything for our good in His time. Now, this doesn't mean that we rejoice at the death of a loved one, or physical pain, or sickness, or the loss of a house, or loss of a job. It means that we rejoice in God. We rejoice that we have Him always. We rejoice looking at our hope in, our, in eternal things. No circumstance affects joy in God because no circumstance can change what we have in God. And nothing can separate us from His love. Joy is found in knowing that God is working and that God cares and that God is always there. So no event affects that, good or bad. No acquisition affects it, no loss affects it, no gain affects it, no deprivation affects it. God's joy is not related to your position in life or your possessions in life. It's based on your position in Christ, based on your faith in God, knowing that you have God in your life always and that He cares about our life. Believers are called to walk by faith, to live trusting the Lord, and the command of God to rejoice always is a call to always live by faith and to live in light of eternity. As we trust Him with the whole of our lives and know all of its circumstances and experience are in His hands, that He has a plan, that He has a purpose, that He is working all things together for our good and His glory, we can rejoice evermore. And thus, Paul could write in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Even though he was experiencing sorrow, he could still rejoice 
because he kept his eyes on the Lord by faith. Thus, Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, Peter writes of the Lord, Whom having not seen ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rejoicing is connected to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We find joy unspeakable in him. We rejoice because we have a Savior. We have a Lord who loves us. And we rejoice because of the hope we have because of Him. Romans 5.11 says that we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the reconciliation. God's joy springs from the joy of our salvation in Christ. We rejoice evermore because we are saved forevermore and we have a relationship with God forevermore. Because of the finished work of Christ, we have eternal salvation, spiritual blessings in Christ, upon which, all of that, upon which to base our joy. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. According to the Scriptures is a 16-page booklet written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler. This booklet of charts with narrative is a more detailed approach for those who have a knowledge of the Scriptures but fail to see Paul's apostleship and message. Since this tool will fit inside your Bible cover, you'll always be prepared to share the message of grace with those who are interested. To order your copy, Contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750. Or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. George Mueller writes, It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the Word in prayer when our enjoyment is gone as if it were of no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them, and as if it were no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. The truth is that in order order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the word of God, the less we desire to read it. The less we pray, the less we desire to pray. Paul teaches the body of Christ in his epistles to pray and to pray all the time. Pray for everything. Pray faithfully. Pray persistently. The reason he does so is because prayer is essential for growth in our relationship with God and in the Christian life. It's vital to our spiritual health and growth. Luke 18.1 records how in the Lord's ministry to the nation of Israel under the law, the Lord spoke a parable to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. They're not quit. 
Under grace, our Lord, through the Apostle Paul, tells us, the church, the body of Christ, the same thing, to always pray and to not faint or to never quit praying. To pray without ceasing is to know by faith that God is always there, always caring, always wanting us to turn to Him, and that He hears all our prayers as we pray all the time. To pray all the time is to be aware, be aware of God's presence in your life at all times. It is to live in a continual God consciousness in which you relate all your experiences of life to Him. In prayer, we center our minds on our, and our hearts on our relationship with Him. Sometimes you hear questions like, what's the point in praying? God knows everything anyway. It's not like we're telling him something he doesn't already know. But we pray because God teaches us to pray. And we know that prayer does change things according to God's perfect will. But it is important to remember also that prayer is something that God uses to change us. It teaches us to be dependent on God, to live by faith, to think with his mind and his heart. It teaches us to be selfless and caring as we pray for others and for their good. And prayer releases the power of God in our life. A prayerless believer is a weak believer. A prayerless church is a weak church. A prayerless nation is a weak nation. Prayer does not need proof. It needs practice and more and more practice. There are countless examples of the power of prayer and we just need to pray and to pray more and to pray without ceasing and let God work through our prayers we're called to pray and to talk with the Lord as a way of life on our journey home God wants prayer and he wants it to us to pray without ceasing so he wants prayer to just fill the Christian life praying unceasingly means to Continually send quick prayers of faith to the Lord throughout the day to have a, a running conversation with the Lord throughout each day. Praying without ceasing isn't about audible words or having a set time for it, but that there's just an openness in your life with God that you just thrust everything in your life to Him, everything that happens. Unceasing prayer is just an attitude in which you view the world, what's going on around you in your life, and it just translates immediately into prayer and just talking to the Lord about it. There are teachings out there, bad teachings out there, that say that God is far removed and God is far away and does not care about our day-to-day -day life and activities. And nothing could be farther from the truth. We pray without ceasing, knowing that God is interested and involved in every area of our life. God would not tell you to pray without ceasing unless He cared without ceasing for you. He wants you to come to Him with all requests, all cares, all needs, all worries, all concerns. Nothing is too small. Nothing is insignificant. Praying without ceasing is a constantly expressed dependence. And there is never a moment in the life of a believer when we don't need the Lord and need to depend on Him. And that's how we live our lives, and that's where the strength for our Christian life is, in dependence on the Lord 
And we need to pray without ceasing in that dependence. Praying without ceasing is about recognizing our insufficiency and God's sufficiency and taking everything directly to the power supply for our lives and relying on Him in His strength, His wisdom, His supply. These three uh, verses really are all tied to prayer. As we rejoice evermore, we express joy. We express our rejoicing to God through prayer. And in everything, we give thanks to God through prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 reads, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The story is told about a man who decided to fly his lighter-than-air balloon all the way around the world. So on day one, he planned to fly from city A to city B. But a wind came along that he hadn't counted on, and he found himself being forced to land in city C. He didn't know much about City C, but that's where he found himself, so he stayed there for a while, discovered that it was a pretty nice place to be. He saw all the sights, enjoyed the people, made new friends in City C. Then he decided to fly from City C to City D, but another contrary wind came and forced him to land in City E. He didn't even know City E existed, but there he was. So he met the people, absorbed their culture, looked at all the sights, Made new friends in City E, too. He made his way around the world, not exactly landing everywhere he had planned, landing in different places from time to time, but finding blessings everywhere he went. Life is a lot like that, isn't it? You may be at A, thinking I'm going to B, that something happens and suddenly you're at C. That wasn't what you'd planned on, but you find blessings at C that you didn't even know existed. So wherever we are, in whatever circumstance, we can thank God and learn to be content with the blessings that He showers upon us in whatever place He takes us in life and in the things He teaches us in them and in how He brings us closer to Himself by them. In everything, verse 18, means everything that comes along in life. It's, it's so broad. It has no limits and no confines. No matter what it might be, no matter what happens, in all circumstances, give thanks. And everything good that happens in our lives, we should remember to give God thanks. Engagements, weddings, the birth of our children, anniversaries, graduations, vacations, time together with those we love, and so on. These are reasons and call to give God thanks for these things. And it is the will of God in Christ Jesus. But again, this is a faith-based instruction. And not everything that comes along in life is good. It's been rightly said that life isn't the bowl of cherries. Sometimes it's the pits. We're not told to give thanks for everything that happens to us. But to give thanks in everything, in all our circumstances. Thankfulness in all things is based on your understanding of God and His character, that God is good, God is wise, God is caring, God is perfect, and God cannot make a mistake. Giving thanks in everything sees beyond your circumstances to the plan of God, to the sovereignty of God, and sees the hand of God in everything.
Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Because we know that Romans 8.28 is true, and we trust it by faith, then we can give thanks at all times in all circumstances. No matter what our circumstances, we can always give thanks to God for His working, trusting, and knowing that He is with us, He is in them all, He is working all things together for our good. When things happen in our lives that we don't understand and are beyond our control, we are to give thanks because of His control, that He is in control, that He is good. And by giving thanks when it is hard to do it, when we don't understand why things happen, we acknowledge that God's wisdom is greater than ours. In plenty or in need, in palaces or in prison, in security or in uncertainty, in good health or in sickness, by faith we can give thanks to God. Take away our homes, take away our jobs, take away our health, take away anything and everything, and the believer still can always thank God. And we can always thank Him for the unspeakable gift of His Son and His sacrificial death, the forgiveness of all of our sins, our eternal life, our home in heaven forever, and all spiritual blessings that we have in Christ and because of Christ. We see thankfulness in everything from the example of people in Scripture. Think of Paul and Silas in prison after they've been wrongly beaten, thrown into the inner dank, dark prison, put in stocks, and in the middle of the night, they're heard praying, singing, and praising God anyway. When the decree was signed in Babylon for all to pray only to King Darius for a month or face the lion's den, Daniel 6.10 says this when Daniel received this bad news. And I like Daniel's grit here. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, he kneeled upon his knees and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. With courage, knowing he may face the lions then for it, he prayed anyway. And with faith, he thanked God. God, even though he didn't know why, that was allowed to happen in his life. Thankfulness in everything is something we do by faith and dependence on God in his strength and wisdom. And as we are filled with his spirit and we look at life through the eyes of God. John Ortberg writes this, God isn't at work producing the circumstances I want. God is at work in bad circumstances to produce the me he wants. We can give him thanks in all things that we go through, knowing that is true. As we are more and more transformed by God's grace and by his word and live a life of faith in Christ, we can rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything, give thanks. Thank you for watching this episode of Transformed by Grace. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. 
The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.